welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, a podcast where we discuss some grand topics that we think affect our lives. Large scale, over the top subject lines and small scale opinions. (laughs) My name's Ivanka Magic. And my name is Michael Forrest. This week we're going to talk about morality, probably in secular terms largely, so don't get too excited. (laughs) Things like the disappearance of religion from our lives and the sort of space that's left. People doing things without, you know, recourse to morality, which we touched on last week. I've got things like absolute versus relative morality, ethics, professional and otherwise. What's the difference between ethics and morals? And some stuff about how our DNA programs us toward moral behaviour in ways that we might not realise. Blimey. But before we get into any of that rubbish, um, how was your week, Ivanka? What have you been doing? This week, we launched the Brighton Restaurant Awards. Vote online. Bravo. The winners, the bravos, the bravo winners were announced. So oh, it was the winners? It was I the winners. just announcing the competition no, or no, something. No, no, no. The competition's been running for ages. Uh, since the end of 31st of January, in fact, people have been voting. 27,082 votes we got. Jesus, that's everyone in Brighton. That is everyone in Brighton. And so... What is the population of Brighton? About 270-something thousand. Okay, 280,000, so that kind of pretty thing. Good, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good levels of engagement there. Uh, very good stats on the website on Wednesday. I got to enjoy that thing, which I haven't enjoyed since Ubuntu, <laughs> where you launch <laughs> something live and the real-time Google visitor numbers are just going up and up and up. Oh, so exciting. Mm. And the website did not go down and down and down, which <laughs> is the, the critical success. Um, so, yes. Well, congratulations. Thank you very much. getting that live. Yeah. And uh, we enjoyed that. And obviously, congratulations to all the winners. But So next time I'm in Brighton, I go on to restaurantsbrighton.co.uk, I see who's the winner and go there for lunch yeah. and or dinner, unless the, yeah. there's or a snacks, huge waiting list. Or coffee, or we've got loads of categories. Excellent. So yes, there you go. That's, what, that's, what, that's mostly been this week. What about your week, Michael? Are you well? Um, I'm 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 feeling pretty well. <laughs> Sickly Michael, who seems to be a distant man. Well, I've had this uh, chest thing where, like, it hurts. It's like stopped me sneezing. It like what? really hurt, like it like the pain of like this little pain in my chest like stops me like cancel the sneeze. Is this something um, to do with your personal trainer and his? This is personal trainer kind of thing. trying to give me. Uh, breasts of some sort I managed to do a successful sneeze yesterday by just like bracing myself (laughs) (laughs) oh dear Uh, and that worked but then I sort of forgot to cover my mouth and it was at work so I was like oh no yeah I've also got to still do the normal social things that one must do when sneezing Um, (laughs) but usually I do three sneezes in a row so I mean I've been but some it turns out that's optional if pain might happen so Um, that's fascinating otherwise I've been reading a book on how to write it's called The Anatomy of Story and I've been sort of trying to go through that and see if I can get one of my little script ideas off the ground or just trying to get the hang of writing I I thought maybe I'll write short stories or narratives or something and I met our mutual friend Charlene last week um, and she suggested perhaps even just writing with pen and paper and I was like well I mean that's silly (laughs) and then I got myself, I got myself a nice pen and pad and paper, and I've been writing my um, my my ideas down on there, and considering them a little more, I think, than if I was writing them on the computer. Because actually, I find writing, I, I prefer, I, I really enjoyed writing on an iPad because there's no distractions and it's just one screen. When I'm writing lyrics, I I've got this external keyboard, so I stick like an, even just an iPhone in there. Like, I've got, like, this iPhone 4 that I just stick in there and just write lyrics in the Notes app on there. I'm quite pleased with my first story premise, and I'm just trying to write big lists of things that I have collected over the years that I would like to see on screen one day. Blimey. Um, And, yeah, when I went with work, played pool last night with work, which they're a nice bunch, I think. No one was very good at pool. (laughs) (laughs) Are you any good at pool? I, th- I mean, I should be, but I just, I don't know what it is. I just, 
sometimes I can pull something off, but most of the time I'm either too sort of impatient or too, I value, you know, I sort of value the style over the substance a bit sometimes, but then if you just miss, there's no style or substance, is there? No, no, it's pretty lame actually. I think after last week, my singularity theory, it was good to sort of say that out loud on on a recording, but then immediately afterwards I was like, okay, right, here are the problems with that idea. (laughs) Um, because obviously the 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 state uh, people have always exploited things faster than like the law can catch up. Otherwise, yeah, you know, how do you come up with the laws? But I think it was more to do with predictions and how we have just reached a point where we can't seem to make predictions about anything anymore. And that's kind of the crux of the singularity thing, and the fact that that's kind of happening on a social level rather than a what kind of devices will we be using level. Anyway. Yeah, well, I think there's some pretty um, fascinating things going on at the moment. It's interesting you said law then, because I, um, I had law down as one of my topics that I forgot to mention in our oh, yeah. summary at the beginning, because law's obviously, well, I think it's relevant when talking about morals. But, like, I was reading... So my new one of my new tactics for dealing with unsolicited Ativanka tweets is to respond with, Hi! I'm a different Ivanka. Here's my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, uh, One woman responded yesterday by going, I don't know you. (laughs) And I don't know how to respond to that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, um, but what it's meant that then there's another woman on the internet called Lauren Ingram, I believe. And she has a very similar name to a woman called Laura Ingram, who is a Fox News anchor. She gets a load of abuse, obviously. But I ran down this, or I clicked down a, a rabbit hole this morning, which allowed me to discover that, um, uh, and this is relevant on not being able to predict. So a Parkland student uh, gets ridiculed by a Fox News anchor. He tweets, and who are you, your sponsors, asking for a friend. The result is that loads and loads of sponsors, big name sponsors, stop start dropping her Fox News show. Oh. And, you know, he's got now 600,000 followers on Twitter and blah, blah. And all this happens in a matter of a few days. Yeah. With just some smart online from a 16-year-old, 17-year-old who's just survived <laughs> a tragic event and having everybody rally to beat up on an adult who just should know better. Yes. So... That, I mean, you couldn't predict shit like that, could you? Uh, no, and it's and it's uh, yeah. The other point, yeah, I, I just think like the signal to noise ratio is, I, you know, I've always been a believer in sort of overall trends kind of being more significant, but it's like the noise now is so amplified, and that's kind of sort of what you're talking. You know, just one person saying something can just kind of have a huge yeah, yeah. impact. The random stuff is now like way. It's just getting more and more kind of dense with random stuff and like the which doesn't really leave much space for the sort of overall trends anymore no um so this thing where with the signal so one of the 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 problems with the existence of online in it in this kind of twitter facebook people saying random things and it going crazy is that it can take away your day your week your yeah. the randomness of it it's like you know people sending email they expect immediate responses and that's not fair my day was not planned around response, responding to your really long email stuart um <laughs> 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 though i did respond with that i will read it carefully but i haven't had time yet it's not it's not on my to-do list yet um, well i thought we could um i thought we could sort of have a little read of it and redress it and well, yeah, but use that got, or not we've got stuart and uh warren uh, Warren's sent us a conundrum on Twitter, but I haven't finished my randomness point. Yeah, but, yeah, go but, on. but the set. Well, anyway, maybe I have, which is that you know, if you're if you are Laura Ingram or whatever her name is, the 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 uh, Fox News anchor one, not the good one, um, yeah. and you're you've got strategy and a plan for how you're going to become even more famous and earn even more money, and boom, you know, you say something frankly offensive, rude, and something you should know better than to say yeah. or even think which was having a pop at some, anyway you then everything goes off peace just like that you've got no suddenly your plan's not a plan anymore and it's all it's because the volume that can jump onto the noise is massive 
Yeah, like people just kind of like latch onto the shiny. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. yeah so. And it's and sometimes that's yeah not fair either. No, but, sometimes you know. it's not fair. In this instance, I think it's fair. Uh, yeah, but yeah. that's down. That that brings us back to the morality question. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, um, I, I'm just looking at Warren's question, and I have a very good response to it. A, a little regret. So Warren says um, had a question after listening to your malevolent use of data chat and being selective about projects you work on if a good egg is presented with an opportunity to work on dark tech should they get involved in a bid to skew it towards better use and i don't know if you remember last january i got this call from this recruiter saying like the leave campaign is looking for data people and my immediate response was that is outrageous and shocking and i can't believe it and like said absolutely under no circumstances would i ever get involved with that and you should be ashamed of yourself <laughs> for uh, working for them and i can't really believe it and i sort of went straight and found the remain people and sort of wrote them a letter saying that the the, the leave campaign is making an app or something like they're still working hard even though they so that kind of galvanized me there but i thought if i'd been smarter i should have probably Maybe I could have kind of gone on, gone into the inside and sort of done a bit of journalism from that sort of privileged position of being able to kind of go in as a tech person into this dark thing and perhaps sort of spin it a different way. Um, or not even maybe just, you know, come for a few days and just find out what they're up to and then report on that. And I kind of think I missed, missed a trick there because I could have done it. I don't. I, I don't know. I had a. I can understand the temptation, but this is all about ends justifying means. And also, I've got a very, very Borat-sounding poor translation from a Herzegovinian phrase, or possibly even something that my father invented. But it's basically, if you roll in shit, the pigs will eat you. <laughs> So getting stuck into the topic a little bit. Um, Let's do it. Get my, stuck in. Uh, in preparation for this week's topic, I have I'm fortunate that I I have access to somebody that allowed me to cheat on my research a little bit because my sister has a degree in philosophy and her dissertation was on relative versus absolute, absolute morality versus re rational or relative morality. So, for example, we've discussed this previously, like murder is always wrong. There is no circumstance. That's one of the principles that I believe in. And I can argue that rationally in terms of when you, once you've killed somebody, it's done. There's no going back. If in regards to capital punishment, I might kill the wrong person. I might be, I'm also punishing that person's whole family who are losing a loved one potentially. It may actually not be punishment to the person who's being capitally punished because it's no, over. It's just a way out. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's a kind of a, uh, I, I can back up part of my argument with a sort of rational, something that is, is kind of more factual and sort of there's something about relative morality which argues about um, the fact that what is morally right and wrong in one country might not be in a different one. So, for example, gay marriage is an example of something that, that is potentially debatable and affected by um, religion and that kind of stuff. Or, you know, some places might allow guns, others don't. Some people might allow multi multiple wives, some don't, blah, blah, blah. But, but do we not see that as... Um, I Do we not see that as social progress, though, and that the people who think that homosexuality is amoral and the people that think women aren't people aren't they just behind the curve i i think this i don't know i don't know i think that the the, the progress argument i would say i would agree with you but we broadly agree on things like this otherwise i don't <laughs> think we could be friends well yeah i mean you know i think if you fundamentally have I, have I told you the story of somebody i'm sure i did of somebody i was friends with at my masters until she said something pro-iraq war and i was like oh i'm sorry i didn't realize that our values were so grossly different that i couldn't i couldn't talk to you anymore mm. but then so it's michael and ivanka's morality bubble <laughs> podcast well maybe i think there's some things we don't agree and i think some things are harder to have a principled 
position on like the idea of going to work on a project that might be inherently evil in order to sway it or learn from it or try and I don't know take that technology and apply it in a in a positive way uh, because we've also talked I mean even last week when we were talking about the 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 Cambridge Analytica story the answer to Cambridge Analytica isn't necessarily don't collect data on people because mm. data is useful in, in lots of different circumstances. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's just how yeah. and what it's used for. So what is somebody's evil? Where does my evil start and somebody else's evil start or my wrong start and somebody else's wrong start? And is there a position? So philosophers have debated this for thousands of years, yeah, defining and what's right and wrong. That I'm glad we're not dropping because it gets, makes it very boring when you start kind of talking about specific philosophers. But, but, but And I don't know yeah. enough to start citing specific philosophers. But, but my point is that when you having the conversation about whether something is right or wrong is very um it's not it's not easy one of the reasons why you can pull in god every so often is go well there's a ten commandments it is always wrong to cheat on your wife or steal or kill or whatever it is except if <laughs> it's like uh, you know do not kill except if you're in a war and then I don't, you know, I don't know the the the. the... Well, the, the do not kill is is just becomes it's the circle of empathy problem is why you're still allowed to kill people that aren't humans. You know, that's 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 why that's. Yeah, so we discussed that in violence. If you could just bring expand your sphere to 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 everyone, then do not kill would be absolute. But because your perception of different spheres of humanity or subhumanity is subjective, then. Your ideas about what you're allowed to do is become subjective. Which yeah. um, I, I'd maybe, I'd maybe like. I do object to the absolute, okay. any absolute argument. But what I would say that I think probably gets us to a similar place is that we do have like an intrinsic morality programmed into us that I think is universal, and it's possible. So, and and that's a genetically. It, where our behaviour is modulated by emotions, which are our genes' ways of controlling our, of programming us, essentially, of like controlling our behaviour a little bit, in order to kind of take us from just kind of doing a short-termist, hit someone over the head, and not worry about whether actually it might have been better to make friends with them. Our, our genes can help us play a bit of a longer game by programming in these sort of moral constructs and moral reactions but it's not like an exact thing and in some people I do think that most people do know the difference between right and wrong intrinsically because doing the wrong thing makes them feel bad and like not everyone can be Tony Soprano right not everyone can be evil because we just on the whole have this kind of we have this thing inside us that's that's helping us do the right thing and my point being and that's where I would point if I was to say there was an absolute thing I would say that in terms of our long-term survival we are given these these social strategies and behaviors by our emotions um, and that's what we think of as morality so that I mean you you pre you presented this argument I think when we're talking about violence which is that whole yeah. you know biologically programmed to collaborate versus or cooperate versus fight yeah um so it's only worth biffing somebody over the head and nicking their wallet if uh, you're never going to see them again <laughs> mm. which is a uh, um and that the idea that we are genetically programmed so if i i mean you see this in small children they do something wrong as soon as they've done it they they know they've done something wrong and then they start crying because they feel mm. bad it's like oh my <laughs> shit and it's not because they're trying to deflect it's because they don't know how to deal with the fact that they feel bad um because they've just smacked their mother in the face which <laughs> happened to me um wow. but uh so the morality question is always going to be and this there is a bit of objective and subjective there's not a bit there's loads I mean, but the, the thing is that I possibly we're missing with some of these uh, things like the conversations about um, uh, Cambridge Analytica dudes and that kind of thing is the motivations and goals. So even if, like, it's this question of to what end, because one of the things I have been reading about this week to try and look at the 
morality um, question is there's a few conversations about whether there should be a, a manifesto, a code of ethics, a sort of Hippocratic Oath type thing for technology, for technologists, so that they, um, uh, you know, the, a kind of first do no harm type thing or um, that might help us yep. think about the, the general betterment of society and using technology instead of just using it, doing more of this because we can business. So, you know, if you have a, if your overall motivation is to make sure, and I found some quite interesting little, the obligation of the engineer, it says, I am an engineer. In my profession, I take deep pride. To it, I owe solemn obligations. Since the Stone Age, human progress has been spurred by the engineering genius. Engineers have made usable nature's vast resources of materials and energy for humanity's benefit. Engineers have vitalised and turned to practical use the principles of science and the means of technology. Were it not for this heritage of accumulated experiences, my efforts would be feeble. As an engineer, I pledge to practice integrity and fair dealing, tolerance and respect, and to uphold devotion to the standards and dignity of my profession. Conscious always that my skill carries with it the obligation to serve humanity by making best use of her Earth's precious wealth. As an engineer, I shall participate in non but honest enterprises. When needed, my skill and knowledge shall be given without reservation for the public good. In the performance of duty and in fidelity to my profession, I shall give the utmost. Which I thought was quite a... What was that again? The engineer's... Um, the obligation of the engineer. It's the United States Order of the Engineer, a fellowship of engineers who must be a certified professional engineer or graduated from an accredited engineering programme. They sort of buy oath. into it. And uh, I, I found it, I stumbled across it because uh, Dot Everyone, I don't know if you know, if you no. heard of them, they're like Martha Lane Fox's um, latest initiative. Um, they... they there was quite. They've done quite a bit of research, and um, there's a few blog posts about the the ethics, whether or not there are manifestos that should be in place, that kind of thing. So they give a few examples, um, which is you know there's one from the ACM, which is the you know I think they're international, the uh, Association for Computing Machineries Committee. Mm. Um, so you know there's those kind of and the IE do one or IET or whatever they're called these days. So there is there are some efforts to sort of be. Um, I think I'd... that'd be a good job website, wouldn't it? Like here are all the certified, responsible, socially conscious job search. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then, and I think in this world of what's you know they they look about the public good. Those kind of words are, are used or using the earth's precious wealth. Blah blah blah. These are all sort of very nice sentiments, but I don't know how um, how many of them. Uh, you know, how does Cambridge Analytica come to be in a world where everyone has signed well, up to a Hippocratic oath of engineeringness? Yeah, but like not everyone would not everyone would sign up. No. I mean, you can, you can still do this stuff. Like, you don't have to have a license to get a computer and write some software. Like, there's no. I mean, I've, and I don't think you should have to. <laughs> what? be a fucked up idea. <laughs> People have to be either given permission to not feel bad about something that they, in their heart, know that they probably should feel bad about. Well. Um, but also, if you don't... I think Cambridge Analytica operates because if you because they just don't see people as people they see people as that's what we talked about last week they just don't have empathy for the people and morality doesn't mean anything i mean and you may argue with me being from brighton you most people wouldn't apply morality to a rock or to cosmic rays or to things that don't possess consciousness and emotions and if people do want to apply morality to those things, they tend to imbue that tree with some sort of emotional response or um, in order to be able to do that. So morality applies to other thinking, conscious, empathic agents, and you. but it all goes in the toilet if you don't see that other person as having those facilities. And then with psychopaths, which is yeah. what I think Alexander Nix is, they don't really have em empathy for anyone. No. And that just lets them do whatever they want. And that's why they get into power. And that's why they can... Although if we say that the, there is an... Ev ev well, there's an evolutionary benefit to cooperation, but 
if everyone's cooperating, that leaves it open to exploitation by one like negative agent but if everyone started behaving like a psychopath society wouldn't last much longer and and actually cooperating people would start to flourish and you see this in sort of game theory simulations so yeah so i get the point that if you don't see people as people then therefore morality doesn't apply but on the on the subject of uh you know rocks and stones and trees and things um what about littering so, you know, well, that's wrong. Yeah, but you're, yeah, but it's not because the pavement's going to get upset. It's because the people walking along the pavement are going to get upset. <laughs> There's no intrinsic... The earth doesn't give a shit. Like, the earth is just the earth. It's us that we care about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was just thinking about how... I, I just... that That's the example that came to mind because my child has, has accepted that throwing things on the floor is wrong <laughs> something yeah, fell out of my wrong. pocket the it's other day and she went next person's... mommy what have you done i was like i'm sorry uh, <laughs> i'm good, sorry good. i'm sorry i won't do it ever again um uh, there's some there's this bridge so where i live there's one way across the, the canal for like you know five minutes either way there's this one bridge and i cannot understand why people let their dogs shit on it and puke on it i mean just go a little bit further because it's this really narrow little bridge i just cannot understand what's going on there puke over the edge of the rail into the water quite hard to get a dog to do uh, anything like that well no I, I don't know i mean just don't oh, people stop on, on the bridge i don't know and then people just puking on this bridge like yeah. can you just there's water right there like, i mean this isn't something that i was necessarily going to thinking about but of intoxication people seem to think that they can just um Oh, I was drunk. Therefore, normal standards of morality don't apply to me. Any drug you take, you're still you. I don't care how drunk you are. You're still you. It's either just bringing something to the surface that's still in there, that was in there all the time, but just suppressed. But it's not a different person. It's still like, so please, I don't care if you were drunk. It doesn't excuse it. Um, for example, what do you think about that? I agree. I don't. I don't have a counterpoint. I don't have anything okay, to add. Well, never mind then. So being drunk. Boring. <laughs> I agree. Well, it's boring. <laughs> if we're relying on people feeling bad to check their behaviour, like yeah, you know, okay. that, that's an important part of your your the information yeah. you're presenting and also also feeling good for doing yeah, yeah. good I mean, things as well it, and also that's kind of looked down on a bit as well but come on yeah. i mean it's like i what, mean you're allowed to feel good for being in, like having a little halo and yeah head totally. to do something good well like, i mean it's also very clear that one of the reasons people contribute to charities and give money to homeless people is not really to help the homeless person it's because it makes you feel better that you've helped somebody it's a nice thing to do it, it creates a nice feeling but it also doesn't matter why you did it. In my, I, I know well, there's different yeah. theories on this, but I, I believe that like you can't start to second guess someone's motivations, no. and that, and I'm sure there's a different philosopher that says something different. But in the <laughs> philosophy of my philosophy, um, in my I, world, I, no, I, I'm very much of the opinion that you can't start to second guess people's motivations. You can only look at their actions. Yeah, and that, I think, but that's why I struggle with, um, once you've gone beyond needing to earn a living, given where we started today, which was talking about technology in the workplace, really, and what we do and what, have we even made this point, what moral obligations we have to do right and wrong, whatever the fuck right or wrong is. Um, I do want to know what alexander nix's motivations were because i can't understand why he did it and i think that's my problem so i i think he's wrong and i think I what he was trying to achieve was wrong so ha you know if somebody's doing something i mean why do i want to understand that i don't, I don't think know. it's i don't think it's that complicated i think he wants money slash to impress his, his father dad. or whatever yeah. it is and he doesn't see the people he doesn't see society as being a thing worth protecting. But also, it's also, I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of the workplace, um, these moral questions aren't everyday questions. They're kind of like something that you, you go, like it's kind of something for me, it's at the start of the project when I choose to take it, it's like, hey, you know, is it, is it morally compatible with my values? 
Yes, but then I'm not going to be thinking every day, is this bug that I'm trying to fix morally compatible with my values? I'm just like trying to get on with it. So and then that's where there, I guess there's an opportunity to sort of slide into the muck if you're not uh, vigilant. But at the same time, you know, I've been in, a, in the meeting with this particular client and when they've started kind of like backpedaling on the social impact part of the project that kind of was the thing that got me interested in it in the first place, I'm very vocal in you know, trying to prevent that from happening with as many arguments, you know, just trying to sort of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I have a friend who made a, a TV show about psychopaths for Horizon. You can, I no doubt, find it on the internet or on iPlayer or somewhere. But um, so she, she knows a lot. We, we happen to, she knows a lot about psychopaths and we happen to be talking about Katie Hopkins in the, mm-hmm. in the pub. There was a, is she a psychopath or not uh, conversation. And one of the arguments against was that she... Well, I don't know where this story's going. Trolling. Does it matter? She's a troll. She's an asshole. Tr- trolling is used... I'm just trolling you. I'm not being a psychopath. I'm not being an arsehole. I'm trolling you. Like, that's a m- very popular sort of, like, mindset at the moment with horrible people. But why do you want to make other people unhappy? <laughs> it's, I'm just trolling you because oh, trolling... is a new it's, verb. It's a thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of upsetting stuff as a result of this idea that trolling is an activity. It's true, it's true. And it's not just being an arsehole. I'm being an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound quite as good, does it? Yeah. I've spent a lot of time lamenting the sort of the hole that the removal of religion has left in society. Um, the fact that now there is no moral authority that everybody has to go and prostrate themselves to every week, and I don't know, in, or every day, depending on what the the, the faith is, um, there is now no longer any sort of socially mandated moral sort of accountability reference point training education that everyone sort of has to go to every Sunday or whatever and that's even though that had become largely more preoccupied with its own survival than necessarily the well-being of its constituents or what do you call parish whoever people that are there it still did perform that function and I was just thinking this week like what you know, what if a state did try to make people, even if it was, you've got to watch this film, like we're going to put this film on, everyone's got to come and watch this film because it makes some very good points about this moral thing and we are, as the moral arbiters, we, we think this is the right thing to do. And I, I don't know how someone comes to be in that position that they're making moral decisions, but it's been something that's been part of human history up until very recently is that we've decided okay a priest is someone who we go to as someone that is knows more than we do about what we should do and what the right thing to do is and that's that's just a yawning void there now isn't morality programmed into society now via law that's no that's i mean that's that's not a way to do it, though. That's just like you can't describe something by what it's not. And the law is you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. Or maybe you've got to do this this many times. You've got to do this amount of this. That just means people push into the boundaries rather than coalescing on the sort of wholesome centre. But so but I had I had a very secular education with no little or no religious elements. I read the story, you know, a lot of Bible stories, but as stories, Noah's Ark, stuff like that. But we had, we did philosophy at school. <laughs> we talked about, and also my parents, I mean, this. I suppose this is missing the societal effect. But we did in school have this, we had sociology and philosophy and part of the classroom conversations were about what's right and wrong. And, you know, they, they, it still needs to be part of your education. The what's right or wrong needs to be part of your education. It doesn't necessarily need to yeah. be delivered via church. Or Sunday school, it can be delivered via school school. But I, do you not think? I mean, it is a muscle that needs that 
Oh, totally. You need to be constantly reevaluating and learning and moving. It's just being reminded just because it's so easy to sort of like, you know, get sucked into your Facebook feed or whatever. And just but, the things that we're consuming don't have our best interests at heart and nothing no. does really anymore. But I also th- but I don't, I mean... Unless you kind of gravitate to, unless you find it and you feel like that's something that's missing. But a lot of people just probably don't want to be told what to do. Most people. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about this thing, the Sunday Assembly? Which is this... Yeah, is that de Botton's one is that, or is I that don't something know. else? I don't read de Botton as much as you do. <laughs> so, no, well, but I know this thing called the Sunday Assembly exists, which is a, a secular Sunday morning gathering. And, and, that's like, and that's fine. And I think there's lots of scope for opt-in versions, but I, I sort of wonder if there shouldn't be something that's harder to opt out of for the people that probably need it a bit more. But, I mean, I don't know. one of the big topics at the moment is consent, for example... Um, mm-hmm. in, and uh, sex education still very much centred around condoms and, you know, just mechanics of how you get pregnant rather than what is consent, what does it mean, how do you have a conversation about these things, uh, when is it, you know, like, what's the difference to, between trying to be persuasive, like, oh, go on, <laughs> versus ignoring somebody's wishes you know there's a and these these are all these are all conversations that should be starting in the classroom but also it is kind of a moving thing and it is we're kind of constantly sort of learning and growing and maybe this is probably the sort of pc outrage is partly coming from well how was i supposed to know i i didn't know i wasn't supposed to do that like no one's kind of once you're out of school, no one's really making much of an effort to kind of continue that education. So then it sort of comes as a shock and as like, oh, I, I didn't know what I was... I didn't know I couldn't you know, say that. I didn't know I couldn't that, call I mean, them. You, maybe you did suspect it, but like, but maybe you didn't. Maybe you just thought it was, you know, I just call her, I just said hello, darling. I was just giving her a compliment. What? <laughs> um, if what I learned at school was the pinnacle of my moral education then i think it would be very far behind where we need to where we've learned that it's true it's true our circle of empathy needs to expand to now but i mean what do people talk about in the pub if they're not talking about morality that's what i want to know (laughs) i I think they're talking about the football (laughs) and they're talking about um, their aches and pains so maybe these other these other institutions need to be louder in talking about you know i know that the british footballers are you know starting to wear like rainbow shoelaces and they're having sort of anti-racist campaign campaigns the right word and then there's this whole thing about women's football and how that should get you know so so football these kind in the absence of the church being a constant in people's lives then the things that are a constant like eastenders and um you know eastenders does attack some tricky topics doesn't it gets people talking I think you're right. I think there is this stuff is happening all over the place, um, and it's yeah. The the football stadium is the ch- is a church now, and the the nightclub is a church. I think what's very interesting about a clubbing MDMA style ecstasy style experience is that it it exposes that empathy within, like brings it really to the surface and makes everyone sort of feel this love and sort of absolutely magnified empathy. And there's no external, no one's got to tell you, like it's in you all the time. And if, you know, if if people can improve their sense of empathy without even having to have someone explain it to them, then that's nice. But then, I don't know, the next, by the next Tuesday, then it's all kind of like, Fuck that. <laughs> then life's become really difficult. I mean, one of the reasons I really enjoy recording this podcast with you every Friday is because we have now created our own little church of two. <laughs> Where yes. On a Friday, we spend a couple of hours and a conversation about a topic. And that is a luxury I really don't have very often in my life. Mm. You know, we had a, yeah. I've had a conversation about psychopaths and Katie Hopkins and how how some of her comments are that far different from some of the things Frankie Boyle used to use as comedy a few years ago. He seems to have softened, mm-hmm. but some of the things you watch his stand up, you're like, fuck, I can't believe he just said that. Um, but so we had the conversation, and that is was in a and we're a particular type of set of people, and I'm recording a podcast, so it gives an opportunity to bring in, and I provoke it because my Facebook feed is full of shit like like get you, yeah, you know. don't shy away from the political <laughs> no, do you? so so it's i like kind of i'm mute. a i'm an instigator <laughs> of those kind of conversations so 
It's um, an exhausting conversation, though. That's why I think like you need to set aside some time well, to yeah, do it every it's week. Timing. It's like, makes you, like, all this thinking <laughs> makes my head hurt. I think largely the film industry is pretty good about trying to have positive morality in their stories. I mean, we gave them credit um, for this the other day, didn't we? But actually, they get attacked very hard, don't they, if they don't? Oh, yeah. You know, they if get... Quentin Tarantino is going to make children... Get, you know, there's a, a game industry as well. Like, these um, makers of commercial art are under a lot of scrutiny for the moral content of their what they're doing. Unfortunately, by... You know, sometimes the people scrutinising them have a skewed view of, you know, outdated view of morality, if you well, ask me. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've but, given um, them... A, well, they also get attacked if they do, whenever they bring in something that's considered a controversial subject. It's like I listened to uh, uh, the Lingapod, the, the World in Words podcast this week when I was in the park, which was talking about the... There's a children's book come out in Sweden that uses a gender-neutral pronoun in its story so instead of saying he the 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 child protagonist is neither male ever referred to as either male or female they are referred to even though they have a name they're referred to in in a gender neutral pronoun which apparently is very new to the swedish language Hmm. and when this book came out obviously there were loads of controversy what is this pronoun it's something like hen instead of so it's not it because it implies an object, yeah. but something like that. And so, um, so there was masses of outrage. Ah, oh, what are they doing? Blah 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 blah. And now a few years later, it's kind of entered the language. It's been adopted. Well, that's great. We need one. We need one we of those. We need so a gender hard. neutral pronoun. This that book I'm reading, by the way, about storytelling. Oh, yeah. He's very heavy on the he, oh, is he and him as the protagonist. And I think a lot of people are reading this book, and he says like, "Oh, I'm saying he because it's easier." I'm like, well, "I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure that's right." You're making all your protagonists, all your stories about men, all the way through, and that's you know. It is hard in the English language, in my opinion, to refer to somebody in a gender ne- with a gender neutral pronoun. Yeah. Uh, and let, so, what I tend to do is default to just always using their name because it's much easier mm. to say. I wonder what Alex thinks about this, rather than going what they, because they is plural in my head, and it just makes it hard. Like, you know, it kind of creates a little panic before I'm going to say something because I don't know what the right way to say it is. Um, But this is different. I think this is different to... It's different to morality because it's not about what's right or wrong. But it is related to morality because as we make progress, because that's one of the things you did bring up, was that, you know, is... Uh, you know, is a society where gay marriage is wrong, has it simply not progressed enough and therefore... Um, versus, you know, it, it, I suppose blah, 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 blah. people, um, people's sort of resistance to that is uh, what? Next thing you can, if you're making me empathise with women, next thing what? Dogs, yeah, yeah. trees, yeah, yeah. benches. People... <laughs> oh, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, like, people are going to make, yeah, yeah. But this is also about not being able to make an argument. I don't know if we're very good at making an argument. I know we're very good at having a chat with each other, but I don't know if we're. Well, this was this was um, this was the crux of Stuart's email, was that we weren't trying to, you know, change anyone's mind. But I think we kind of admitted to that, and I've admitted <laughs> to that on this podcast that I don't even know where to start trying to change these people's minds. Mm. So yeah, we're just we're just sort of venting it yeah. at, at this point, and maybe hopefully yeah. we will start to learn how to change people's minds as time goes on but yeah i absolutely like i have no idea how to argue with trying to argue with like the you know the alt-right and the the people that will just want to flip every argument in this kind of really dishonest way to sort of find a sort of ostensibly opposite but equally valid sort of counterpoint where actually they're just kind of um being very dishonest and sort of like yeah because yeah, I, I i also think that there's something different about arguing with somebody or having a conversation with somebody if it's just the two of you who disagrees massively yeah. versus in an in a public forum because one of you is going to have to lose face but in a in a one to one situation, there's no face to be lost. Nobody's witnessing your 
change of mind or your weakness or your stupidity weakness. or ignorance. Um, so, you know, I, I find... Because I, I have this... Uh, a lot of the people that I went to school with in the former Yugoslavia share things on Facebook that make... I don't even know where to start. Mm. And I just... You know, I cannot possibly engage with a rational argument with them on Facebook. And yeah. I'd be very nervous about about even approaching it one-to-one. But I feel like if I was one-to-one with them, I could do it in a respectful way. But I suppose what, what which is what it's all about. It's all about respecting the other person's humanity, even if you don't respect their opinion, you know, or assuming at least that they're not going out of their way to be an arsehole. And that's just a, a, a thought process that they've stumbled down. So assuming they're not trolling, yeah, assuming they're which not. is sometimes what that content is, is sometimes what those posts yeah, not, are. And not then this like, lot. yeah, good. <laughs> they're like, uh, but but there's that sort of like, okay, you believe that and I believe this. Okay, let's start with some things that we can both agree on. So so let's imagine you've agreed what's morally right and wrong, or you have a sense of that in your life, and now you need to go out and get people on side. How do you do that? Do you have to do that? Do I have to do that? Well, you can get like a loud hailer and stand in a public place going, sinners are winners, sinners are winners. No, wait a minute. Do you want to be a sinner or a winner? See, it doesn't even work. The rhyme, it could be used for either meaning. Um, (laughs) You're a sinner or a winner. That doesn't work. You have to have something compelling that draws people into it like a big hollywood film with a theme and a moral i think that's how you communicate it you need to that's the church is attractive in a pre laser light show era <laughs> because it's got these colored lights and a huge organ and like it's an absolute spectacle that attracts people um, and so the things that now attract people have to take moral responsibility. And that's probably why the Cambridge Analytica evil Facebook manipulation campaigns is this is a compelling thing that you're using in a way that we don't think is allowed. If we knew that that was what was happening, we would engage all of our fury at the media for having an immoral opinion or immoral presenting something that we believe is immoral but because it slipped under that radar while still kind of having that attractiveness so there's morality and then there's moral responsibility so you can yeah. the, the, at the very least what you can do is be morally responsible for the things that you believe are right and wrong and i think if everyone did that then i think we'd be all right yeah and then it but it does but then we do have this sort of ongoing education and improvement and like flex you know working out that muscle of you know, the parables and the, you know, all those stories that we kind of might need to be reminded of. And even just the, the, the mechanism, the process of praying is an implicitly, like most people when they pray, they're praying for their family, they're praying, they're thinking about someone else as part of their daily routine. Yeah. And which is not something that, like, it's probably why meditation is sort of like, is kind of trying to fill that gap. But That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's lots to be said for the ritual of going to church every Sunday not least of which is the community, the the meditation, because that's a lot of the spectacle, all of those, music, the music. Kind of. <laughs> I used to love that Christian music. Even even into my teens, I used to love that shit. Like, it, well, when, when, they, when there was some clapping <laughs> or when there was like some, you know, sometimes they'd have like a drum, you know, you'd actually get a band playing and everyone would be singing. I flipping loved that. That was crack to me when I was younger. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not... That because that's that's a beautiful communal experience and and I just yeah for me it's like yeah bring up the production values of that and I'm I'm on there I, like you're you're bringing together something I know is morally right and I'm gonna go to heaven and it kind of sounds good now as well <laughs> this is amazing you know I uh, I feel similarly I I I'm not a massive football fan but I do occasionally go to a football stadium. And I love that feeling, that feeling of, of <laughs> shared joy. <laughs> but it's, it's brilliant. It's, um, you know. it's something I very rarely get anymore, ever. Yeah. Like, 
the uh, maybe I should just get into football. Yeah, but there's also a lot of shouting and not winning. <laughs> at least in <laughs> at least in church on Sunday, at some point you're gonna there's gonna be that winning joyful bit, <laughs> even if there's a berating bit somewhere on the way. And loads of boring yeah. stuff and uh, uncomfortable, deliberately uncomfortable benches to sit up, on. Stand up, sit down, Neil. Stand up, sit yeah. down, Neil. I've been to church. <laughs> have some have some wine. Have a little bit of drugs. Um, Keep you going. I feel like there should be way more to say on this and I'm a bit kind of freaked out that we seem to be at the bottom of our respective barrels so quickly. <laughs> yeah, but... We just we agree, agree, don't we? And that's that's actually, it makes it quite difficult. Um, so I suppose this is like, here's our position, more or less, and then next week we'll, we might have some people to argue yeah, with. Yeah, maybe. And also I think that what we perhaps... I, you see, I, one of the things I struggle with is trying when you, when you're talking about the sort of extremes of right or wrong, and you know, should you join in with a project that sounds a bit shady tech wise, but maybe you'll help sway it to the right side. Yeah, I just keep going back to the Holocaust. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, like, uh, yeah, but Holocaust, um, you know, and it's like there, there's a. Yeah. I saw this uh, again in my when I went down the Twitter rabbit hole this morning. One of the women has got in a Twitter header image, there's a picture of all these people zigheiling and one guy just sat sitting there with his arms crossed, which is quite a famous mm. picture. And it's got it, she's got it circled and it says, you know, be this guy. And it is that sort of like, no, <laughs> I just don't think you can join in with shady activities. Yeah. How do you stand up for morals when you're on your own? When you're on your own very hard should we we try and end up end by thinking about that question it just takes you've just got to be i love that line in captain america (laughs) which line you and your go on um you've got it what does he say captain america the requirement is that we stand up for what we believe no matter the odds or the consequences when the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world no you move it's great, it is great. <laughs> <laughs> except in your world there's no river of truth uh. well no i mean there's a, no there's I, there's no it's it's inductive but you can't science doesn't know true Sorry, that's just not true. <laughs> Why it's does a the hard word thing exist? to realise. Why does the word exist? Because it's it's something that humans are very uh, fixated on, and it brings us a lot of of peace to feel like we know the truth, and it's very important to us. And that's why fiction. That's why religion is in a position to say this is the truth, whereas science just ethically cannot say that. I need to think about your truth. I might go and do Which, some reading about truth and then come back to you. Because I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, start from the problem of induction um, and then, I you know. I-N-D. <laughs> just writing you it down. See, like a heater. The problem of induction <laughs> heaters. Um, what I was going to say was something. Oh, we're, in one of our many episodes, I've definitely used this example before, is that, because I, I think that's part of what we need to help us with these things like the media argument and talking about morality is that book, The Life You Can Save, and at the beginning of it, the example, which is you're walking to work and you see a child drowning in a puddle. What do you do? You go and rescue the child. You are wearing your very best shoes that cost you $400 and you see a child drowning in a puddle. What do you do? Jump in the puddle, get the, save the child. You are on your way to a job interview, la la, and it it just keeps building the argument. And the answer is, and it's a, it's a known example used in a book that was used in an ethics class at a university in America land. But you, but the you know that there's the sort of you, having those scenarios that help you expand on what's right or wrong or add complexity to it. Which you know I think you can use that exactly that same scenario when you're talking about the the morality of austerity and cutting the welfare state it's the same thing 
you are still walking part by, by cutting social care or reducing child benefit to only two children, you are walking past a third child who is drowning in a pond or in a puddle. And it's that kind of like we and I think when you when you are discussing with somebody, okay, the word truth is difficult or contentious or whatever I need to I need to, to, to Well, but, you but, need an empathic story, you need an that's a parable. Yeah. Right? And that's what religion does. And that's and I was just thinking, like, in, in the House of Commons, you rarely see someone come out with a parable, but maybe they should have been. Maybe, maybe that's where, when you've got better at your stories, when you've finished reading your How to Write yeah. Stories book, maybe we can work on some stories that help us make our arguments for things that we think are right or wrong. Yeah, I th- and I think, that's how, I think that's how you have to do it. You have to kind of create, you persuade people by giving them you know, showing them in the form of a story is probably the most powerful technique we have for sort of moral... Because, it again, it, like, keys into people's inner, inner morality. And then you can immediately spot a Nix because you tell him the story of, you know, the Good Samaritan or something, and he's just like, I don't understand. <laughs> right? And then you've got... You know that's your psychopath test. You could argue, and this is where... Ethics and morality, I think, is interesting in a work context. You could argue that simply encouraging people to buy more shit that they don't need is not morally sound. And you know, most and of you and you'd and be you, right. Well, most of usability <laughs> is about improving the checkout process and finding opportunities to upsell. You know, you're a monster, <laughs> a monster. But there's a lot of it, like getting the click-through rates and getting the sign-up rates and getting the. It's just you know, you're always being motivated by a business. And the, then the question is choosing the business. So if you're increasing sign-ups to social care or increasing so making it easier making a form that helps you get get the carers allowance making that easier helping government to spend less money making that you know that kind of stuff uh, you're still using patterns that then in a in a, a commercial environment because even selling infinite keep cups is still selling mm. a bunch of shit that yeah. is just filling landfill uh, nerd writer just did a YouTube video I watched this morning called Dark Patterns. So if anyone's not really from the sort of usability sphere, there's actually quite a clear, well put together video about some of these, um, like how difficult it is to find Amazon's um, close account button. There isn't one is the answer. Like you've got to really dig and really click on some counterintuitive things before you can close your Amazon account. But the uh, there's um, a there's yeah. a guy in Brighton I used to work with called Harry Brignall and he runs he has a website called Dark Patterns. For yeah, like, he might be the same. He's probably the guy that this guy was well, maybe talking not. about. Um, but, but that's yeah. quite an interesting uh, site because it's all that sort of using interaction design to manipulate people. It's not necess- you know it's not necessarily any better than what Cambridge Analytica are doing. You know, it's just not done on such an insidious grand scale, not necessarily used to change the outcome of, a, of an election. But Well, you still more or less know what you're looking at, at least, that you're looking at something that's trying to sell you something most of the time, yeah. which, is, which was the fundamental problem with um, Cambridge Analytica, which was you didn't realise that you were looking at something that was being used to do that. I mean, well, yeah, 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 totally. You had no idea that you were in your own. Or what it knew about you. And also you know? those dark patterns tend to be general for for people in general. You know, they're, they're, they're generalised dark patterns, except things like the uh, EasyJet example where they increase the fare as you're looking at it so that you kind of get a panic on that the price of the flight is <laughs> going to go up. Um, yeah. So sort of artificial sticker tenor on that day that they seem to be looking at so that to help close the deal. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, hopefully that's quite known now. <laughs> I don't know. At least you've got a chance to sort of spot it. Um, it's not invisible. <laughs> no. So there's loads of like unethical tech stuff. I mean, you could argue all this putting together bloody. Well, the thing about even Facebook and because also I've I've real I was listening to uh, I think us talking in a draft podcast or something and I I seem to use social media instead of uh, and social network a bit interchangeably because they've evolved over time. It's but they all started out as social networks, but they certainly didn't pass any sort of ethics committee as they set out because they were just like, well, we're going to build this thing because we can. And I think because we can is one of the most dangerous and one of the most risky approaches to any project or using any technology. It's like... I don't think... 
I don't think it's because we can. I think it's because we think people want it. But, it, I mean, I think those are... I think that's not... I mean, people want lots of things that aren't necessarily going to be them. any value people to need humanity, this. you know. Yeah. So, so people might want something, but they probably... What they need is different is always yeah, the and that's thing like I come the, back the, to. The, the, uh, or what humanity needs. People might want... Yeah. a bigger cars with bigger engines that guzzle more gas because they like driving fast. But actually, humanity does not need those, so please stop making them. (laughs) But no-one could have predicted... Like, you know, the idea... Facebook's kind of... What they preach, what they say is is you're going to be connected to everyone and that's going to be a beautiful thing. And who could have realised that... Who would have known in advance the behaviour of that? Not that I'm defending Zuckerberg on his dragging his feet on stuff that they knew and then didn't act on until they were, you know, in the spotlight, in the the sights. I I grant you that, but did anyone even stop? You know, is where's the process? Where's the spot in the in the um, in the project planning, in the inventing, where you all put your black hats on and go right? What is the flip side of this? You know. Maybe there just needs to be a spot in a work, in a, in a project development plan where the whole team pauses for a moment, you know, goes to church and says, yeah. are we doing, are we the, doing right the right thing? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? And I think that's the bit that's not programmed into our work lives. And, and I think to, to add to our list of our growing list of grand podcast software projects, <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of still on all of the recruitment lists and I'm getting the calls and I'm getting this stuff. But there, I, I haven't seen anyone go for that, like um, social morality, social. We want to do a project that actually has some social value. And if we had like a kind of work, I mean, maybe if I Google, I can find something that does that and just kind of funnel all um recruitment through that but i think there's an opportunity there for just if you kind of opt in at the start that this is something that's important to you and then you know we help each other once we have our niche don't we yeah and, yeah, yeah totally know. and i think though if we if we think back through our podcast and what been what, what we've been learning <laughs> over time mm-hmm. is also that um donut economics is not a bad mechanism to use for the are mm. we doing the right thing because it covers yeah. like the positive impact on society and and i yeah. i think really if we want to save the world that's what we're going to have to do if there was one conclusion and one i don't know morality isn't necessarily always a question of knowing right from wrong it's more about like more regularly thinking about the question like thinking about it in in relation just remembering to think about morality is is more is the thing that's missing a lot of the time yeah um if we can just do that and be a bit more conscious about that but then that doesn't help us fix the problems caused you know it's the it's the people that aren't doing that that are the problem yeah but if everybody who worked you know okay if we accept that alexander nix is a psychopath has he employed however 50 psychopaths that was something from last week that I kind of started like saying like we yeah I said like stuff doesn't happen on its own there's a load of people working on it so what needs to happen like if half of your team is asking moral questions if your designers if your content creators if the people kind of writing the tech if they are holding you to account then you can't you have no no power and so people and it sort of comes back to that you know don't be so scared for your job that you sacrifice you know your ethics and if we could you know if we i don't know if we could protect people and there are protections they're unions and, you know, they're called yeah, well shit i've just invented unions <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no but well it is yeah. something we are missing yeah, isn't yeah, it totally. like we we do, people don't feel imagine if there was unions and people felt a bit more um, like they had a bit more leverage if they if they argued against some of the insidious because th- there's probably very few Alexander Nix level psychopaths that are really good at editing videos in Final Cut or like writing yeah, yeah. you know a, a schemaless database uh, infrastructure you know yeah if if people and that's what we're seeing happening you know we're seeing these whistleblowers coming out and saying stuff and the same with um you know women in the workplace you know writing these you know coming out about uber like it does it, it becomes very hard to have an institutionalized amorality if a lot of the individuals that make up that institution are vocally calling yeah. it out for what it's doing so be captain america yeah. stand by the river of truth 
with your feet firmly planted. Say, no, you move. <laughs> done. Uh, I think we're done. All right. Fuck it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Um, if you like the podcast, you can uh, find us at grandpodcast.com or you can email us hello at grandpodcast.com or probably ideally tweet us. Although Ivanka's a lot more on the Twitter than I am. I'm, I, it's not in my life that much. Where can we find you? You can find me at Ivanka on Twitter and also on at podcast grand and at Ivanka.blog. And you can find my stuff, michaelforestmusic.com. And what can people do to help us out? They can tell their friends um, about our brilliant podcast. And they can go into their phone, go, search for it for and them. Then and hit the subscribe, subscribe button. <laughs> yeah, on their, on their account. Just go and just get people's phones off them, subscribe. That's what I do. It's the best way is just to simply subscribe them and tell them what a podcast is <laughs> and suggest yes. some times when they might like to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, really kind of make it as easy as possible yeah. for and them. And even if you don't like it, you know, there's no reason to deprive your friend of it. <laughs> exactly. Your friend might like so, it. If you might think, hate our guts. But maybe you know a sinner. <laughs> maybe you know an evil person that you think, you know, might get something exactly. out of it. And you don't mind them going to hell. On the podcast app, you can also give us some reviews. Please give us some reviews. Yeah, reviews are useful. I saw a review where they were like, I love listening to Ivanka. It took me a bit longer to warm up to Michael. <laughs> where was that? They probably <laughs> someone who Apple knows podcasts. me. Apple Podcasts. I'm like, whatever. I'm just definitely not going to fixate on that forever. Oh. All right. Thanks for listening still. Yes. And I mean, this, I guess, was a particularly chronic. We sort of pretty much agree. So where's the conflict? Where's the engagement? You be our engagement. You give us some um, questions. Thanks to, um, yeah, Stuart and Warren for sending us questions. Yes, thank you. And... Bye. bye. See you bye, next bye, week. Bye. 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 bye.